Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about cultivating creativity. Today, I'm going to rant on becoming creative because I think this is a very important topic. You will not maximize your potential as a grappler if you do not bring a level of creativity into the training room and you do not learn to adapt techniques to your body type and body style. Now think about any sport, your favorite sport, or maybe just grappling. Who did you think of? Think of an athlete. I guarantee you that athlete stands out for some reason. He did something against the grain. He innovated the game somehow. He was different than his peers. He stands out from his peers. I've been thinking a lot about this and... As you guys know, I say it all the time, I love basketball. So I've just been thinking about the three-point shot. There's always been great shooters in the NBA. Guys that can just shoot the ball. If they're wide open, it's going in. Think of Reggie Miller, Steve Kerr, Peja Stoyakovich. I mean, there's so many. But what Steph Curry and Damian Lillard have been doing these past couple of seasons is different. It's unique. They have changed the way that people look at shooting. Their peers look up to them and are trying to emulate them, but they just can't quite do it. If you know anything about basketball, there's a guy named Trey Young that is trying to be the next Steph Curry, and he just can't do it. He can't be Steph. His three-point shooting percentage was horrendous, especially from those really long three-point shots that Steph Curry takes. And what Steph does is unique to Steph, just like how Dame shoots. If you watch Damian Lillard, he plays a different style. He shoots differently. He takes different shots than what Steph does. But it's that level of creativity and the way that he's taken to shooting three-point shots that's made him almost unguardable. Now, there's so many other players in basketball that have innovated the game and that have left their mark on the game. From Michael Jordan, obviously, to Kobe Bryant, to Magic Johnson, to Hakeem Olajuwon, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the list goes on and on and on. What those guys did is they learned from the past. They learned from the older generation. They took those things, they added them to their game, they added their own little flair to it, and then they added a couple of their own moves. And I really loved Kobe Bryant for this because Kobe Bryant was obsessed with perfection, that idea of it. And so he would always bring in a legend to the training camp. So he'd work with them for like two weeks and he would learn one of their signature movements. I remember a big talking point was when he brought in Hakeem Olajuwon, and he was learning post moves, some of the post movements and footwork that Hakeem used, and Kobe added that to his game with great success. But Kobe also had so many other things, right? We all know that he stole from Michael Jordan. He loved and copied a few of Michael's moves, but Kobe had a couple of moves of his own. And towards the end of his career, you started to see some of the younger generation stealing Kobe's moves. There's a famous video of Devin Booker, who is an absolute monster. He is in the Western Conference uh, Conference Finals right now. He had a killer game today. He had a triple-double in the first game of the Western Conference Finals. 
And in his first game against Kobe, the first move he tried on Kobe was one of Kobe's signature movements. And Kobe, after the game, was like, man, that was really cool because that's exactly what I did to Michael Jordan. And I'm saying all this because there needs to be a level of studying the older generation. You need to watch guys like John Smith. Whether you want to get better at wrestling, you need to watch guys like Dan Gable, John Smith, some of the older Russian guys. Because what they did works. And it works at a very, very high level. But you cannot become John Smith. You cannot become Dan Gable. You need to take some of their movements and ideas and make them your own. The same is true for Marcelo and Gordon Ryan and Hajar Gracie. We need to adapt what they're doing, take pieces of their games, and make them our own. And you learn to take pieces from people and blend them, as well as some of your own discoveries. And that's how you maximize your potential as a grappler. And that's how you really rise fast to the ranks and you really level up quicker than your peers. But if your instructor wants you and makes you copy his game and any other game is frowned upon, because there are academies out there where being unique is frowned upon. I've heard so many stories over the years of guys trying to play a different style because they watched guys like Gordon Ryan or Eddie Bravo or you know whoever was kind of doing something outside of the box at the time, Dean Lister, the list goes on. They would try and do that in their training room and they would be reprimanded. Their instructor would tell them not to do that, that that game doesn't work, that they need to do what the older generation did. They needed to study the Gracies, and they only need to do jujitsu that the Gracies approve. And this holds back the students as well as the entire academy. And you end up with clones of the instructor and that instructor's instructor. And so, honestly... You end up with a school that is very easy to beat because if you can beat one of their grapplers, you can beat all of their grapplers. And the students aren't prepared to face games in competition that do not mimic their own because in the training room, they're so used to seeing a handful of techniques that all of their training partners do. So they're insanely good at stopping and recognizing those movements. But if you go off script, if they see a different type of game, they just aren't ready they're not aware of what the next movements are the leg lock game was a perfect example of this i've heard so many stories over the years of guys being reprimanded because they tried to heel hook during training they were a blue belt and they tried to heel hook a brown belt and the brown belt got pissed told them that they can't do that there and then went on to savagely beat them the next few times they rolled they went super aggressive at them to make their point that hey I get it. You caught me in some cheap little heel hook. So now I'm going to cross face you into oblivion. I'm going to choke the crap out of you. And obviously that guy comes back frustrated because higher belts telling you you can't do this movement. So honestly, you can't do this movement. I mean, if a brown or black belt is telling you that you cannot do a movement at your gym, then you can't do it. You know, if it's against the rules, it's against the rules. And we saw what happened for a few years. Guys were just falling victim to easy leg lock setups because nobody at their gym did it. They had been 
telling guys for years leg locks didn't work and banning them from their gym or making guys feel like crap for doing these movements. And then they'd go into tournaments or they'd have a visitor come in and they'd be getting tapped by guys that honestly just had a couple of tricks that were maybe blue or purple belts and they're taking out black belts and even black belts that have multiple degrees on their belt. And I want to talk about today creating or cultivating creativity whether you're a student, so how to do it as a practitioner, and how to look at it from a coach's point of view. Because as many of you know, I'm taking more and more hands-on approach with the athletes at 10th Planet Decatur. I'm working with a lot of people one-on-one. I've got my eye on them, and I'm trying to guide them, some more than others. There's a couple of them that really like hands-on attention. They want me to be hands-on with their grappling. They want me to direct them on where to go. Now, there's others that want me to be more hands-off. Unless I see some glaring hole, they feel comfortable and like they feel comfortable that they are doing um, you know, really good work and they're improving at a rate that they are happy with, with kind of guiding their own training with just a little bit of outside help. And I understand both of these, right? And I think it's important, though, to not overstep as a coach to not limit technique development but at the same time you need to step in sometimes and tell an athlete that that maybe they should think about not pursuing a technique because it's not high percentage that there's just something that's a little bit more high percentage or telling an athlete to find something that they enjoy training because sometimes athletes will kind of run their head into the wall bang their head into the wall trying to learn a technique because they feel like they need to have it, but they just don't enjoy training that technique. It doesn't really fit their style, and it doesn't make them excited to train. And so sometimes you have to tell an athlete, like, no, you don't need to learn that right now. Let's put that on the shelf. I want you to focus on something that makes you enjoy training. So brand new beginners up to a year. I would say follow your instructor's guidance. Do not try and bring a level of creativity into the gym just yet. Now, you're going to obviously have to adapt techniques based on your body type. So one of the most frustrating things can be learning jiu-jitsu from someone that does not have or is not the same weight as you, is not the same strength as you, does not have the same limb length as you, because they'll teach you things and you will not have success with them or you'll have a harder time hitting those movements because a couple of things are just different. A great example is triangle chokes. You know, If you're learning triangle chokes from a long-limbed, flexible, 175-pound guy that's like 6'2", Well, if you're 5'6 with shorter limbs, you're going to find some of the setups and some of the ways that your instructor likes to finish or whoever's teaching you that movement likes to finish is is going to be a little bit different for you. You're going to have to adapt those setups and adapt the triangle to make it work for your body type. And you're going to have to learn how to finish opponents of different weights and of different thickness. So many movements, you know, there's just so many movements that if the limb length is different, then the setup's going to be different or the way you look at the submission is going to be different. I know people that struggle with darsh chokes because their arms are too long and they actually have a hard time locking in the darsh. So, right, they can lock, I should say, they can lock the darsh in on anybody, but they have a hard time finishing because their arms are too long. 
and they're like, why can't I finish? I just, I can put the darts in from anywhere, but there's always room. Me, I have average guy arms. So I put in a fully locked in darts. Like when me, when my arms are in the position, it's the choke happens. I don't have that issue. And at purple belt, there would just be times I'd be perplexed because I'm like, ah, it looks like you're doing it perfect. But obviously the guy's not tapping and I would do it the exact same way, make the guy tap. So don't think about like trying to learn your own moves or like learn crazy movements. Again, just follow what your instructor's doing, what your mentors are doing, the advice that they're giving you, and start learning how to adapt the movements, like what works well for your body. Okay. You'll find out quickly what you have success with. Focus on that and really focus on making those movements your own. But again, don't think about how, like, what type of grappler you're going to be. Because I hear guys all the time, you know, they're kind of under blue belt. So they're, you know, year, year and a half in, and they're like talking about their style of jujitsu, how they're this. They label themselves. And you're labeling yourself way too early. I am a completely different grappler than when I was a blue belt. Completely different. Some of my favorite movements, I, I can't believe a couple of my favorite techniques are, you know, techniques that I never thought I would do. I mean, at Blue Belt, I told people that I would never use a darse choke because my arms weren't long enough. Well, it turns out that a darse choke is one of my favorite techniques. And there's so many other movements like that. So don't label yourself in the beginning. Come into it with an open mind and learn what your instructor is teaching. Really focus on learning their game and picking up everything you can from each class you attend. I really don't feel like you need all these instructionals in the beginning. You don't need to scour YouTube. I mean, you can do it for extra studying, but again, I would really, especially if you have a qualified instructor, like a really good black belt at your gym or even a really good brown belt, just take notes of what they do. Video them doing the techniques. Study that. Get advice from them. Okay? And you'll find out pretty quickly if you like your instructor's game, right? Because if you're learning and like drilling a bunch of his techniques and you find yourself kind of miserable. So it's six months in if you just keep going over rubber guard, for instance. That was like the one technique I hated about Brandon's game because we would go over rubber guard all the time being a 10th planet school and I just didn't like it. I wasn't very flexible. I didn't have long, long legs. I just felt like I struggled with that movement. And I would kind of check out of those classes. And I realized early on that if I forced myself to do rubber guard, that it was limiting who I was as a grappler. Like I could be getting better at other things. And so I think those are important notes to take. But again, spend that year trying your best to stick to everything your instructor does, do everything he does to a T, but learn to adapt his techniques to your body. Now, after you've been training a year, when you've been training about a year and a half, and you're getting close to your blue belt, and you, you, know, you get your blue belt, I would like to see people starting to get a little bit creative with their grappling before blue belt, but definitely at blue belt, I would like to see some uniqueness to your grappling. I want you to be good at a technique that your instructor's not good at. I think that's a really interesting sign of a really good school and a really good student. 
there are so many guys at 10th Planet Decatur that are blue belts that I would tell somebody to go and take a private lesson on a particular movement other than me and Brandon. So if you came to 10th Planet Decatur and said, Scaff, I want to learn a ninja choke. Well, yes, I have a pretty good ninja choke. Actually, it's on my DVD, North-South DVD. But one of our blue belts has taken that movement, and he is so much better than me at it. I've actually learned a few details from him. He's taken that movement and just gotten so creative with it. And I've seen him tap some really good dudes with it. He almost tapped a really good brown belt in the PGF with this movement. I think if you know they wouldn't have rolled off the mat, I really think he would have tapped him. I've seen him put a couple of guys to sleep with it. And so I would tell you again, like if a guy came to me, hey, I want to pay you for this private lesson, I would see if that student was available because he is so much better than me at that movement. And there's so many other techniques like that. And it just shows that he found something that he really, really enjoyed, that he thought was interesting, and he made it his own. Because some of the setups, I mean, I don't know where he got them from. I showed him two setups, and now he's got like 10. And I've stolen a couple of them. And again, it's made him a much more dangerous grappler. I remember there was a time when he was really getting good at this stuff that everybody was shocked. They're like, dude, you have to watch out from the ninja choke from here and from here. And a lot of purple and brown belts were talking about how creative and unique his game was and how hard it was to defend against. He even caught me in one of these chokes. I just didn't see it coming. I was in his closed guard, and he was baiting me. I thought he was letting me pass, and he put the ninja choke in and tapped me. And it was a legit tap. I didn't see it coming. And that's what being like, like taking creativity, taking a movement, and making it your own, that's what the power of it. That's the power of it. Because if he just would done the ninja choke from the two places I saw it, I would have seen it coming from a mile away. So whenever students take my techniques and they're like, hey, I'm going to try this technique you just showed on me, like there's no way you're going to get it. Right? There's no way. It's when you learn from your instructor and you go the extra mile, you make it your own, you find unique ways to use it, that's where you can catch them sleeping. That's where you can really beat a really, really good grappler. Now, it's important to note that when you're trying to be creative, there's a couple of things you have to do. One, it's important that you're rolling with people that you trust and that you're comfortable with. It is very hard to cultivate creativity in the training room if you're always going to war, if you're rolling with training partners that you always roll hard with. If you're going 100 miles an hour, you'll find you always revert to you always find that you revert to your A game. You kind of get in that fight or flight mode. You're either surviving or you're trying to win. And when you're trying to win, you're going to, again, go back to what you do and what you've practiced the most. And if you're trying to not get tapped, you'll kind of shelter down. You'll kind of hunker down and you'll kind of enter a shell. And that really stifles creativity. And so I'm a big, big fan of training relationships of getting a couple of training partners that you have a really good, almost egoless training. You know, there's a little bit of ego in there, right? You might talk a little bit of trash, and, and you know, there's, there's definitely some pride on the line at times. But for the most part, you're very comfortable training with them. You really don't care if they tap you or you tap them. And when you train with them, there are just times that you feel really comfortable 
going for different things and experimenting. Many of you know that my main training partner is Lindsay. And man, we roll, I mean, just Saturday, we rolled like 11 rounds together. So we rolled over an hour together. And I tapped her multiple times, and I think she tapped me a couple of times. But I always learned some really, some of the most interesting parts of my jiu-jitsu have come from training with her. Because I'm not just running the same couple of plays. I'm having to open up my game because she knows a lot of my technique so if I try and I'm having success with something she's a super good black belt so after a couple of weeks she's going to shut that down so she forces me to innovate she forces me to really um, you know evolve my game and she does the same right like when rolling with me there's times like she'll completely change I feel her game evolve and sometimes I'll show her a technique and then same thing as my blue belt student like she'll take it and she'll make it her own and she'll end up showing me something on a technique that I showed her six months ago and I really think that's how you really level up in the room is people are constantly innovating techniques and the teacher can always become the student if the student really starts going outside the box, he can really show the, the, the teacher another way to look at that same technique he taught him or her six months ago or a year ago. And to me, that's one of the most fun parts of jiu-jitsu. So you, again, you have to make sure that you're comfortable with your training partner or you're just way better than them. And so if you are a purple belt or higher, it's easier to be more creative with people that you're way better than where you can really dictate where the role goes and especially if they're your size or smaller it can be a little bit more challenging to roll if there's a uh, to be creative during a roll if there's a big weight advantage i do not like trying unpredictable movements against people that outweigh me by you know 40 plus pounds because the risk of injury is just too high i just don't quite know what this new technique or this new idea or this new movement I might try. I don't know, like there might be some risk to it. And if there's some risk to it, I don't want that risk to be felt with and, uh, you know, to, to really see if it's risky or not with somebody that's that much bigger than me. And so generally when I'm rolling with somebody that's way bigger than me, I'm going to play a safer game, a much more reserved game that, you know, again, I really try and limit, you know, how creative I am in those rounds. It's very simple jujitsu. I've found that the simpler my jujitsu is with people that are bigger than me, the safer my I feel and the better my body feels the next day. But as I said, you know, if you're going for like new movements and you're trying out a new thing and you don't have a lot of practice with it, you'll find that you put yourself in really bad positions and your body, you know, it will take some damage because you just, you did something at the wrong time. You didn't have the timing down for the movement or you went for it at the wrong time. And now you're getting stacked on your neck or you're, you know, getting arm triangled or whatever it is. Definitely make sure that, you know, really bring that creative mind and training style into, you know, rolling with people you're better than and people that are your size or smaller. I think you also need to be creative during drilling, but this can be really difficult, especially if you do not have respect at the gym. And by respect, I mean, obviously, at your gym, everyone should respect you as a human being. But if you don't have the, um, you know, if, if people don't look at you as a good grappler, right? So if your instructor 
doesn't see you as one of the top dogs, he might get offended if you're making some adjustments to a technique he's teaching. I hear about this all the time. And there's times, honestly, I've been caught off guard when I look over and I see a guy that's a, you know, brand new blue belt or, you know, even an experienced white belt, you know, he's doing something different than what I'm showing, or he's taking a technique I'm showing and he's, you know, just doing something a little different. And I'm always skeptical. I'm like, why, why is he doing that? I'm, I'm showing him something that I've had success with against high-level opponents. And he's making adjustments to it? Like, does he not think this works or, or what? And I've had to, especially now that I'm aware of, and I've really been on this kick of, like, being more open and, you know, really promoting creativity in the gym. Unless I just see some glaring issue with what they're doing, I want people to train and to adapt the techniques I show them, you know, however they see fit and however they think that, you know, they'll have the most success with what I'm showing. So if it does mean that their body's in a different position or they're setting it up a little bit different, or maybe I'm showing an offensive movement and they decide, you know, like a pass to an offensive movement, maybe they do the pass and then they do a different offensive movement. And I, I really have no issue with that. Um, I, I think that people, especially when you're talking about like teaching chains, that times like I think it's important that you take like hey I really like the knee slice pass but instead of going for the spinning arm lock I'm going to do a knee slice pass to um, you know an arm triangle from mount because I have tons of success with the arm triangle I've never really done an arm bar and I want to keep I, I want to like really improve my um, my arm triangle and so I'm going to really get good at this uh, this knee slice pass with an underhook and I'm going to find the arm triangle off of that. I think that's super important as an instructor to allow your students to change the flows. And uh, especially if they, they do, um, you know, they, they've been training for a couple of years or longer. But as I said, you know, if you're kind of like a brand new blue belt or you've been training a year, I'm always really skeptical of that because in my mind you haven't developed a game and you don't really know your identity as a grappler yet. And so maybe you, you should try what I'm doing instead of trying to, you know, change the drill to, uh, you know, because you saw a YouTube video or, you know, whatever the reason is. I, I think it is important to, you know, follow the instructor from there. Now, I also think it's crucial to watch lots of film, especially matches. Just go on YouTube, type some of the greats. Here's five names. Hoffa Mendez, Hajar Gracie, Marcelo Garcia, Gordon Ryan, and uh, let me see one more. We'll say Eddie Bravo because I love Eddie. Those five guys right there all have completely different games. Now, there obviously is a little bit of overlapping in all of their games, but each one is very unique and has a unique style. Watch a few of their matches. Which guy are you drawn to? Some guys watch Hajar Gracie and they think that it is the most elegant and beautiful jiu-jitsu they've ever seen. Now, some people watch Marcelo and think that is the ideal way to do jiu-jitsu or Hoffa Mendez or Gordon Ryan. Personally, I still have not found a grappler that I like and enjoy watching more than Hoffa Mendez. So Hoffa Mendez is a guy that has a mark on my jiu-jitsu and watching him makes me think creative uh, creatively 
It makes me really push the boundaries of my mind to really look at the possibilities of movement and how movement can be used to attack. And I love his footwork. And I've practiced so much on my footwork just from watching Hoffa. If I ever am lacking the desire to go and do simple drills or simple footwork drills, I just put on Hoffa Mendez and it inspires me to go out there and just try different steps and to try and work on foot speed and balance and all of those things. And so I think watching the greats, watching the old generation, especially the guys that, again, have left their mark on jiu-jitsu and that have unique games, is one of the best ways to cultivate your own creativity and to really help you find the style that interests you. And that style will change. Like my style is continuing to change. I don't watch Hoffa as much as I used to. Again, he's still my favorite grappler, but I find myself watching a lot more of Gordon Ryan, of guys that are trying to negate movements. That are, I'm watching a lot of pinning right now, and I've been really interested in getting good at pinning and really f- like passing with pressure. And so, again, it's watching a lot of, like, I've watched a lot of Hodger, watched a lot of Gordon Ryan, and there's a couple of other guys. So your style and your identity as a grappler will continue to evolve. But one of the best ways, again, I think, is to just watch guys grapple. And, you know, whether it's guys at your gym, I know that there are students that are white and blue belts. Like, some of them have a preference for my game. They love the way I move. They want to emulate some of the things I do. Some guys feel that way about Brandon. They like the things Brandon does. They like his guard better than mine. They like the way he passes better than me, and that's fine. And so you can emulate people from your gym, but I think you're sleeping again on the importance of watching really uh, you know, some of the, the tape from some of the older generation or even some of these new guys you know, because you're missing out on some creative geniuses that will really spark a new life into your jiu-jitsu and, a, and it can really send your jiu-jitsu into a new direction. If you are not happy with jiu-jitsu right now, if you're feeling like you want to quit or you're not having fun, it's because you're not being creative. It's because you're not finding ways to make this martial art your own. It's because you're doing what you feel like others want you to do or your instructor's telling you what to do. And I really feel like for most people, that's the best way to make them not want to train and to make them rebel. I hated when I grew up. I hated being told what to do. And so me and Brandon have always had a great relationship and that Brandon will give me a little bit of advice. I'll usually come to him and ask him or if he sees some, again, big glaring hole, he'll say something. But for the most part, he's always allowed me to train the way that I wanted to train because he saw a lot of good habits in me. He saw that I was having success and he didn't feel like he needed to mess with it. And I think we all need to be like that. Like, look at your students, look at yourself. Are you happy? Are you happy? Do you like your jujitsu? Do you have fun training? If not, find a way to be more creative. Now, Are you the guy that has all the wild and crazy movements, but you find yourself getting stuck underneath white belts at times? You find yourself, you know, uh, attempting like buggy chokes 18 times around. Hey, the buggy choke's super legit. Don't get me wrong. But you find out you're just kind of like you've got two or three tricks and you're always trying to invent moves. 
maybe it's time to, to follow your instructor a little bit more or to get a basic DVD that is a lot of the fundamentals and you just focus on the fundamentals for six months to a year. We all need a little bit of both. And But as, as I was saying, I think a lot of us are missing that creativity and that creativity is what's holding you back as a grappler. Guys, thank you so much for listening to me uh, ramble. I, I just, it blows me away, um, the responses that I get from doing these episodes. It, all the support, as always, means a lot to me. Remember, if you want to support this podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. But one of the big ones is just leave a review. Please, just leave a review. Obviously, max out those stars. Leave a nice comment. It helps a lot, and uh, yeah, continue to message me. You guys know I've got your back, and I'll answer any questions that you have, give you any advice on your jiu-jitsu that you feel like you need. I'm there for you. Peace.